Welcome to the Music Talk podcast with me, Graham Farmer. In this series of conversations, I interview some of the biggest artists, DJs, and producers in the world. I hope you enjoy this series. Let's get into it. Hey, there he is. Hey, man. James Dexter, welcome to my Twitch channel. Thank you. How are you? I'm very well. I'm good. Yeah, how are you? How was your weekend? Yeah, it was good, dude. How was my weekend? My weekend was quite chilled, actually. I had a nice, nice, relaxing weekend. Didn't really do anything, which was uh, a rare change. So I very much enjoyed it, to be honest. Nice. Have you been touring lots since the kind of world opened up? Uh, getting back to it, yeah. It took a little bit of time. Uh, but this year, I've been out and about a lot more. So I'm enjoying it. <laughs> I <laughs> bet. Like, yeah, reveling in every second to be out of the country and to be playing places away, you know. Uh, yeah, loving it. So. Oh, I bet. I bet it's a different kind of like, because obviously when you, before lockdown, I bet it was a bit like you kind of just did it and you were doing it every weekend, but kind of obviously still enjoying it because it's still DJing to a crowd. But I bet there's now a new kind of like love and kind of re- revamped kind of appreciation for all these gigs and them back coming back. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I've always loved it. I think personally, just because of everything that's happened now going back to it, just the dance floors and the energy and the atmospheres mm. are tenfold what they were, especially, you know, not just here and other countries as well. So it is definitely creating a little bit more buzz, you know, than I already had yeah, that's uh, it. Just that's to, it. to go away. But yeah, and it's just like, you know, that thing of not being allowed to go anywhere for two years and all of a sudden it's like, okay, I just want to get out and I want to go as many places as, as possible and just enjoy it. <laughs> Nice. Uh, what's, surround sound saying ergonomic spinny chair for the win. <laughs> They're loving it. <laughs> we could go all the way around, but I might get cat tangled up with these. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's not let's not be strangling the we guests on their spinny chairs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we always get started with my streams with something silly because uh, obviously we're in my disco shed, so we start with silly and then we get a bit more serious. Uh, yep. So. One of our favourite things is to discuss meal deals. Uh, we are a big fan of the meal deal. Mine is, usually, like, I, like I said before, used to be the kind of triple breakfast, big bag of quavers, and probably something chocolate or or Coke or something. But since getting a bit more healthier, I'm down to, I'm, I'm, on, a, I'm on a prawn laid salad and uh, okay. chicken raiders and a, and a water. Yeah. But if you could go to any of the supermarket high chain streets uh, in the UK, which, which is your, what is your go-to meal deal? I would probably say Sainsbury's for yes. their, it is the, is it the egg and bacon one mm. on, the, on, the, on the malted seeded bread Ooh. with mayonnaise? And then I would definitely be having crisps. Crisps are like my favorite, more than sweet, savory. So I'd be having probably something like Flame Girl State McCoys Ooh. or, or cheese That's honey a solid. Yeah. Yes. I like the cheese and onion. Cheese and, yeah. I like the cheese and onion. Yeah, and to be honest, drink-wise, I'd probably be a bit boring and I'd probably have, like, water or something. I just drink a lot of water. So I yes. don't really re- reach for too many other drinks other than that. So that would be my meal deal, I think. Everyone's loving the McCoys. And the malty bread, yeah. yeah good choice yeah. on the malty bread. That's that's. Solid. We have to keep it relatively healthy, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I always used to go, you know, I used to go Tesco's breakfast shop and they always come out like thick white bread and it's like yeah. sausage. And, and you just like set the ground after. I mean, it's but. good, but it takes a while to digest, right? So that's why the uh, malted bread for the win. For me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so for those in the community who don't know who you are, I thought we'd just start the start and just give them a little form 
Form One and what on you and how you and how you got to where you are. I am a DJ producer from London, and yeah, I've been DJing for pretty much as long as I can remember. Like I got decks when I was about fifteen, maybe, and I was DJing for my mates all house parties, New Year's Eve parties. Nice, and then may, maybe even a little bit earlier, maybe like fourteen. Uh, and then, yeah, came to a crossroads at school at like 16. I really didn't enjoy school. Just wasn't nothing, just nothing connected with me. I just didn't enjoy it at all. So fortunately, my parents were pretty always supportive about everything music wise. They said, well, why not do something music? So looked into uh, like music production courses and I ended up after I did my GCSEs and then went to school to do, uh, went to college to do music production and did. Nice university did a music production degree there and came out of there and started releasing music and i've kind of that's all i've done since so that's the quick rounded background of it have you have you always been house music because i know you're very house music now uh at the beginning when i was djing when i was younger it was all like garage and drum and bass and hip-hop and just you know when you're 16 17 you kind of just just everything, you know, so kind of a mashup. But it wasn't really until I started clubbing that I kind of fell the love for house music, you know. Uh, mm. So 20s, 20, 21, that kind of time was when, yeah, house music really kind of started to set in. And I think it was festivals as well, and going to festivals and just really like, you know, of all the festivals you can have, I just found like the house music tents or the house music stages were always the one that I just ended up at. So, uh, that obviously from there influenced the production and the DJing to just kind of follow that that path. Where were you raving? Turn Mills. Hey, nice. The, the Cross, uh, The End, uh, all those at the egg, you know, when I was 18. And then so yeah. a lot of the London, the London hotspots at the time, but not too many of them stand now, which is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, was, I used to work at Turn Mills, so I. Amazing! He came to the came to the club. That's wicked. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was quite a lot. So there was that. There was that. That time there was that little golden triangle of clubs. It was like Terminals, Fabric, Across the Key. Back, yeah, all those sorts. That was a lot. Egg, egg, egg as well. Yeah, that was mad round there. Yeah, it was a good time. It was just felt like, and well, maybe it was also because Raven was new to me at the time, but it did feel like at that time the atmospheres were great. You know, it just felt like there was a real buzz about that kind of scene as well. Uh, that kind of house stuff but yeah that's cool uh, and then you say to festivals which festivals are you going to I'm always interested I love this uh, I mean first first festival I went probably was SW4 because I live in South South London nice and then started to reach out I think I went to like Global Gathering Gatecrasher those you know kind of the commercial yeah. ones at the time nice and then then it kind of led into things like Cocoon in the Park up in Leeds because I've got yep. a lot of really good friends from Leeds so I was always going up there and then Secret Garden Party and obviously places like Hideout away um, you know uh, in Croatia yep. uh, so yeah those are the kind of festivals I was going to at the, at the time Nice. Yeah, we worked on Selfless Force. Oh, Selfless Force such a good festival. That seems to have gone now. It's mad. What was kind of the start of the breakthrough for you? Once you, once you, where did the kind of production kind of turn into uh, actual releases? Do you know what? For for a few years, I just engineered because I came out of university in that kind of mindset. You know, kind of had to earn money, right? So it's like, okay, how can I make money from what <laughs> I've learned? <laughs> uh, yeah. So I engineered for a while, 
I engineered in a studio and then I had my own setup and it was good. It taught me a lot, but at the same time, I then just, there was a level of frustration that music I was making was slowly getting attention by, you know, labels and stuff. And then mm -hmm. I just wasn't, didn't enjoy the process as much as I did just messing around kind of for myself. So from there on out, I kind of, so maybe did that for like two years. Well, I was kind of still experimenting myself, but I kind of took the plunge to go, maybe I don't want to engineer. I've got to get gigs. So I need to start mm -hmm. producing. Well, I had gigs at the time, but you know, more because I was associated with a night back in the day. So I kind of wanted to be associated from my own merit on making music and stuff. So I kind of slowed down with the engineering, did a little bit to still make some money, but then yeah, kind of fully focused on making my own stuff. Uh, so that would be around, I'm 34 now, so it'd be around 10 years ago then. Wow. Um, that, I guess that must be frustrating. If you're just, if you've just come out and started making it, making records and, and they're getting signed, it must be like, well, they're good enough to be signed. So Yeah. It, there was also an element that at, at that time I didn't really, you know, I was really into house music, but I still didn't have a, a particular sound or style that I was kind of being able to hone in on making myself. And obviously yeah. I feel like the engineering kind of helped that because I would you know, engineer with other people in the studio and, you know, they would be telling me what they want and I'd kind of yeah. have to learn to shape a sound. So I just kind of started asking myself, what, what do I want? And that's how I kind of, so I kind of put a engineering hat on as if I was doing it with me being the client, <laughs> if that makes sense, to try and <laughs> yeah, break yeah, out yeah. the to, to, to break out the mindset of going, oh, it's all me. I was like, I just would kind of write down, like, what do I want to achieve? And that would be the mindset of it so that's how i started to shape the sound um, <laughs> and actually I, I, sorry i was just gonna say and then i started to, uh, i i used to play in a bar for for about a year year two years time maybe mm. and they wanted house music the whole night but it was very much uh you know first two three hours deep slow stuff and then you kind of mm. ramp it up at the end and i was kind of used to the ramped up stuff uh, stuff because at the time of the festivals and the big stage you know that was kind of your dead uh, mouse and you know david guerra at the time you kind of that sort's the forefront and then i just slowly realized that those first few hours the music that i was playing there that i was really digging for i, mm. I felt that i love that a lot more so that was mm. also the kind of shift into the production the more deeper side of things um skeleton keys says what did you engineer on anything we anything we'd anything known Probably not, no. <laughs> Probably <laughs> not. And also, people don't necessarily like to know they've had engineers work on their music. Oh, yeah, so. shit. <laughs> That's cool. Um, yeah. I think that just takes that time, doesn't it? I, I, mean, I was with someone last week, and they were like, I've made this record, I've made this one in a different genre, I've made this one in a different genre, and, I was, and they were like, which one should I release? And I was and I was literally like, none of them, because you you don't know what you're making like you need They're to go through that shop, kind of yeah. you just have to go through i feel like you have to go through that process of two or three years of grinding and just figure it out don't so, you? i think finding the ear you know which a lot of people underestimate how how long that takes you know because yeah. uh, I, I i i also at the minute and have done for a few years like teach production and stuff like just one-on-one -on -one and mm. um yeah, there's a level of frustration when people go, I just want to make this sound, but they're just, they don't, they don't understand how some people can do it quite quickly. It's because you've had years of your ear just going, well, I know <laughs> if I want to make that sound, I can use a clap from this drum machine or, you know, and it's just fine tuning and your ears just pick up things a lot more. Whereas you'd imagine when you first start doing it, your ears are just open to everything and you've kind yes. of got to filter out and channel out the things that, 
you know don't fit in your process that's cool yeah i completely agree and also i saw what did i see this morning i saw someone that said i bet we start getting a hundred remixes of that eurovision competition this weekend and at the same time i was in my head i was th- in my head i was thinking yeah but in five years time those how many of those will have then kind of tuned their ears and because they started by just making that dodgy edit that yeah. they might make that might make something huge you know down the line yeah it's i think it's quite natural though when people start out they try and use something that's already got a kind of platform right because that mm. automatically elevates like even i mean it depends how good it is right but if you attach a well-known name or a well-known song to something automatically people will prick up their ears a little bit more rather than if you're an unsigned or unknown artist and you just put something out it's very hard to kind of get that picked up i remember i used to do bootlegs and stuff in the earlier days <laughs> yeah i think everyone's done i think it's i think it's like a natural route it's like because also that that production's there and it's kind of you don't have to start you know you don't have to make everything it's kind of got a lot of pieces there already you know yeah okay so then we started making music yeah. what was the first kind of breakthrough track for you do you know what? There's a couple. They were around a very similar time, but I would say uh, I had a few sort of releases on a few house labels, and then I got asked to remix a track uh, by Miguel Mix for his label. Oh. Uh, it was Salted, I think. Uh, no, sorry, it was on. I'd released on his label, Salted, and then I got asked to remix his one of his tracks on Om Records. Yes. So, and I actually did like a disco kind of remix because it's just what came out. And that's kind of how I am with my productions, what comes out, you know, and it, it, it really worked and I loved it at the time. And I still listen to it now and think that is a really solid remix. I wouldn't play it in my sets, but I'm really proud of that <laughs> track. But after that, I think the one release I remember was my first release on Lost My Dog. It was the first time... I made an EP and there was one particular track on there that it was the first time I made a track and I, just, I was absolutely buzzing afterwards thinking I've made Deep House. Like that track to me, it's called, <laughs> it's, called, it's called In and Out. And just for me, even to this day, I listen to it now and still think it just represents everything that at that time I saw as Deep House. And it was the first time I was just like, oh my God, I've actually like really made that sound <laughs> that I'm trying to achieve. And to be honest, off the back of like that, that release, I, you know, was able to progress to other labels and stuff. So yeah, the Miguel Mix remix and then that in and out track on Lost My Dog would be my earlier ones that stand out. They're asking, can we listen to it? Should we? I can, I can sure. Yeah. It. It's a can, in and out. People's view of Deep House today might be slightly different of what my view of Deep House was then. Because you're saying like t- t- 10 years, was this like in the actual kind of... This was the earlier days of releasing, like, you know, of releasing my stuff under my name. Uh, I'm not sure I could probably find out the release date myself. It came out in 2012. So that's bang on 10, 10 yeah, years. Yeah, bang on, di- bang on Deep ago. House. Bang on, the, bang on yeah. the, that solid time of Deep House when yeah. hot, hot Creations was on the rise and... Yeah, and the, the lead track of this actually. So it was the 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 in and out track was the one that I was absolutely buzzing about. So I feel like I've made that sound. But the lead track, System Check, uh, was the first track of mine that actually really charted as well. Uh, no I way. think it. Yeah, it it actually broke the main chart on Beatport. I think it only got to like sixty and that. But at the time, that was the first time I'd ever really charted well. Right. So if we go to, is this going to work? Yay! I've got it, gang. Let's listen to this. 
So this is James Dexter in and out. Let's go. Holy, that was amazing. Let's give that the flipping ray for. Back back when Deep House was 120 BPM, right? Right, <laughs> holy moly. It sounds lovely as well. Like, uh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm super proud of that track. I can't, yeah, I'm, yeah. It was nice to hear it. I haven't heard that for a long time. And Lost My Dog were, that label was big right then, back then as well. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, uh, it was one of my labels that I was, you know, really focused on getting on as well at the time because uh, I was playing all the music again just that sound uh, of like I don't know they really represented that deep house sound I think but also mm. letting all the artists do their own thing as well so if it kind of fitted within that bracket so yeah I was super super chuffed to, to release on that label um, and then journeying forward so you've the, the, we obviously today we're talking about this new EP with, with Denny uh, you've done yeah. work with him before when did you First connect with him and let's talk about that, that history. Pre-COVID, maybe two, three years before COVID, I think. So maybe, I'm trying to think now, that that time frame really messes up when you're trying to <laughs> right. like, think how long some of us go. You kind of got to go, was it that long? And then add two years on. But yeah, I've known Denny for a while now and it came off the back of every time like a release of mine was going out to promo, I just always see Denny like supporting, supporting, supporting. So then... Uh, I just reached out to him and we just started chatting. Just was always like, you know, appreciated him supporting my music. So I then just started sending him stuff directly. And then, yeah, we just we just were like, oh, should we just make some music? And then it happened quite organically that way. Yeah, we've had a, f- a few releases already. We had first release we did was on Crosstown Rebels, which was mm-hmm. like, for me, was, was, was <laughs> <Right>. huge. <laughs> Amazing, yeah. Uh, we had a track on... It's the I think it's transitions or transit transitions uh, EP that they do every year. So we had an EP on that comp- uh, sorry a track on that compilation, and then we did another EP on uh, Rebellion. So Crosstown Rebels, uh, Crosstown Rebels sister label. Yep. Uh, and then we did a track on Saved. Yeah. So it's been really productive and really like we've, we've had a good journey so far together. To be honest, making music and I think. Our music's individually. Our music individually is is quite different, but we just find a really good common ground because we both love like so much of the same music as well. Uh, mm. So, yeah, it's always good fun like working with Denny. Where does the where do you start? Where do you start when you both? Sit, you just, I guess from, let's talk about this EP in specific because yeah, 
uh, how did this EP start? Where did you start? Did was it in the same room or was it kind of COVIDy and? No, no, no. We've 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 always done sessions together. We've always just done sat in studio. I think once we tried to send parts back and forth, but um, <laughs> which is you know a lot of the time how collabs are done. Just you know if you're working with someone in a different country, but no, with Denny, like we've always made the effort to get in the studio together. And uh, yeah, actually, the lead track of this EP, uh, Katsu, was one of the first tracks we actually ever made. So it's probably about. That's maybe five years old, but when wow. we made the other two tracks um, for you, which is track two, we made that quite recently, um, mm. as in within the last, I think it was last year sometime. And then the third track we made probably in, in between the other two. So it's actually three tracks have been compiled over a few years' time. But what we did with that, uh, the Katsu one, when it came to sending it out and getting it signed we actually kind of went back to it and revamped it kind of because i think the drums and the bass were a little bit dated so we just kind of revisited it um and gave it kind of 2022 rebeef a bit more right. club heavy a bit more and we always had dc10 in mind when we were playing that track because there's a big kind of breakdown with a big kind of air horn type siren thing which we just felt nice. would be like sick for the for the terrace of dc10 so yeah we've all like as i said we've always got in the studio together so it's been a very organic process putting putting the eps together skeleton key says named after the curry question mark 100 percent named after the curry there's a <laughs> <laughs> there's a restaurant not far from my studio which basically anyone that ever comes into the studio with me that's where we go for lunch it's uh, it's called hair and tortoise and it's like a sushi noodle ramen bar and the katsu curry there is better than any I've had in the UK. So nice. Yeah, <laughs> that is hundred percent named after that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's listen to that, and we'll talk about that some more. Let's 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 get into this. Sure. Uh, let's go. This is katsu. <laughs> Max. There you go. Yeah. Let's get one of these. Let's give it the whole smack. <laughs> so James, we in our in my stream we have two noises. We have the ray horn for the big tracks. And, and then I for love the, serious, the ray horn. And then for the, the really, really serious absolute smashes, we have the Hulk smash. Nice, nice, nice. That was sick. 
Uh, let's 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 chat about that more. Um, sure. ga- also, gang in the chat, uh, the the pop-up links have arrived, so we can have some. Basically, for each of my streams, we were we, I chatted to Plastician recently, and he introduced us to these like digital collectibles. They're called pop-ups, like proof of attendance, uh, okay. little NFTs. Basically, that I we have two hundred links we give out for each, we make specific ones for each stream, and in the chat I'll put the links in a minute, uh, so you gang can grab them. They can we'll be doing them all year, and then basically the end of the year we can have a raffle for those that have got certain ones that there'll be prizes and kind of whoever's been part of each of the streams and got the collections. Nice. They're very fun. They're a bit. They're kind of getting into that NFT space, but just in a yeah, free yeah. and kind of collectible, just little stickers basically. Let's talk about Katsu. Tell us, like, where do you start with a track? Like, how does that collaboration work? And talk us through it. Yeah, we have a similar process for each time we start a track and usually dig out old records. Like, we've both got, you know, we both still collect vinyl. We've got, you know, a lot of, I think, where our common interests lie, we like melodic and groovy stuff, but also we love older sounding records so quite often you know Denny might come in with a few records that he's found and he loves you know like a percussion loop from one of the from one of the records or there's a sample like a vocal sample or like even that mm. I think in that track there's a vocal that says that shit right here or something like that I, that probably was sampled from a record so we kind of just you know and I've got records here as well so we just would just play some stuff and just kind of get in the same zone that way rather than a blank template and trying to just go through kick drums and find that a bit, bit boring. So, yeah, we'll maybe sample one or two things from an older record, and then I've got quite a few bits of hardware in here, so I think it's easier for collaboration purposes if someone can, you know, someone will be on the computer and someone can mess around with a synth or, you know, writing a bass line. And, yeah, we kind of – we have a, a method of – we're trying not to create any sounds that of, you know, we're not going, oh, we – like, oh, it's got to be this tech house sound. It's got to be this, like, mm-hmm. deep house sound. And we just go, we're kind of the rule book of just throwing it out the window going, if we both like it, like, that's that's where we're going to go with it. So, you know, and if neither of us, if one of us doesn't like something, it, it won't stay in. So we'll always just be like, right, yeah, we both agree with that. Okay, let's move on to, to the next thing. Nice. And then, so, and then hardware-wise, talk us through your hardware. Let's have... These gang, these gang, as I was mentioned before, these the gang in the chat, they love it. Let's let's yeah, go, yeah, let's yeah. Go, let's go. I've got a, I've got a big iMac computer, so I can't really. I can maybe show right. you a little bit. Uh, oh, here, go. I've got. <laughs> so oh, I've there got, you go, gang. I've got a uh, Triton. I've got a Nord lead, and I've got this old. It's an old Yamaha box, which I actually got before I got any computers or anything to make music on. It's called an nice. RS7, RS7000. Oh, it's, it's a big one. Uh, it's, wow, there you are. There it is. is. There is. There is. Um, and I still use this in like so many of my tracks. Um, and then underneath that, I have a, I have a uh, like a rack unit down here, which has a few. Nice. Yes, I've got a virus access uh, synth here. Uh, nice. I've got my sound card. I've got a. Um, Patch bay. I have a MIDI um, port box as well for running everything together. And then what you can't see, what you can't see in front of me here, is I've got TR8 drum machine. Uh, nice. Not not the original, one of the the new 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 generation ones. Uh, okay. I've got a MFT Tansbar drum machine. I've got a new generation TV3. 
I have another rack here, which is on the desk, just in front of the desk, a Vermona drum machine. And then I have a Atoria Beatstep Pro, which kind of links a lot of it together. Um, drum, drum machines, I just, I love drum machines more than most things because it's how I get a groove, you know? Uh, and I just found, obviously having one drum machine, it's very hard to create something that doesn't already sound just like that drum machine. You know, you've got a TR8, it's got your 808, your 909 sounds. So if you just get that, it's going to sound very similar. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? The variation isn't there. So then I was like, oh, what if I get another drum machine and use the clap from that? And then another drum machine, use a hi-hat from that. And then using, you know, linking them all together allowed me to create more unique drum sounds. Um, and that old Yamaha one that I have as well has some really cool old school sounding drums, which is great nice. for that house, deep house stuff. Yeah, the drum, like the, listening to that last one, the drums are the kind of whole mix is really warm and like just gives that nice little deep house hug, doesn't it? It's like yeah, nice. it's very chunky. It was a bit, like I said, we yeah. we re we re beefed it this year, but before it was a little bit more stripped back, and it still had that same breakdown and build up, but. It was just a bit more stripped back, a bit more, uh, more maybe more 90s house. We kind of just chugged it up and just went, like, this just needs to bang, basically. Yes. Uh, so are, you using like are you using Logic? Or Logic, yeah. Logic. Yeah. There you go, Skeleton Keys. Um, if you've got any other questions about, about tracks, gang, as you know, we'll just drop them in the chat and we'll try and get them across. So, yeah, so then you start with samples. Have you got any kind of, you mentioned you're kind of using old records. Have you any rules with sampling that you can advise these guys? Uh, I would, you know, we try when sampling. You try not be too obvious, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you don't want to create issues for yourself down the line that you know labels won't touch a record because there's you know an obvious sample in it. It 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 really depends, right? But we're just when we're working together, we're just looking for something that just stands out because obviously Denny used to work for Back to Basics in Leeds. I used to go to Back to Basics a lot, so those kind <laughs> of. <laughs> The sound of that era is really where we kind of meet together. And not necessarily saying our music represents that, but that's where we start. And that's where we kind of, you know, whether a track goes on in that direction or not, we just roll with what happens in that session. But yeah, we're just looking for something a little bit unique in a sample, maybe not too obvious that you can tell it's from that record. But I think as long as you're, as long as you're creating something new and original at the end of the day and not outright ripping something, you know, I think it's, uh, it's, it's fine to use samples. Hmm. And then you've got the sample. Then, do, then do we come? Where do we process from there? Is it drums next? Obviously, you've got those drum machines. Which is, yeah, I mean that's how. Unfortunately, Denny seems to work in the same way. Like I would always start drums first. So yeah, if we've got maybe it's like a set of vocals sample, or even if it's like a percussion loop, then we're gonna build the drums around that. Then we go bass. Then usually pads and synths and then if we haven't found a vocal from a sample then we're going to find a vocal later on uh, but yeah for me always drums bass and then everything else on top because i want to make sure that drums and your bass are the fundamental parts parts of house music right so i want to make sure that they're nailed before moving on yep. to anything else i kind of want to have a track knowing that if i've got these drums and these bass sounding as good as they can be that later on the track if i'm to take everything else that i'm about to add that it will then work i've always had this issue whereas if i do it the other way around create some synths and pads and then build a bass line and drums around it when i take those pads and synths out later on in the track 
it feels like something's missing or it feels like something's lacking. So that's why I do it that way around. And the drums coming from the drum machine, are, they, are, then you're, are you then adding anything in the computer on top of that? What, what are you kind of adding? Like processing-wise, I'm quite light with processing. I've, I'm very much someone that believes in sound selection is key from the off. So I try and make sure, you know, and again, as we said earlier, it's like your ears trained after a certain time of, you mm. know, of doing this so yeah i mean for things like a kick drum i'm just going to be eqing a little bit of light compression touch of distortion maybe just to bring it out a bit more and give a little bit more you know drive and warmth but yeah i don't go too crazy things like hats and claps i'll use a tiny bit of reverb as well as some compression and stuff but what i'll do is i'll just vary the reverb from sound to sound so because i know quite a lot of people We'll just have one bus and I'll send everything to that bus so it's the same reverb. But I think you're creating a little bit more of different pocket of a different sound very lightly if you use a different style reverb on each individual sound and just create sonically, I think, sounds better and a bit a lot bigger. Nice. I was just, you know, you're saying about sounds and I was just thinking, I was just thinking the same for questions. Uh, gang in the chat, how's my production questions, guys? I'm, I'm, I'm nailing all the ones you normally ask. <laughs> <laughs> it's just from asking them all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, I'm nailing it. Let's go. Right. Next, let's talk about the next track. So next on the EP is For You. Tell us about this one. For You, yeah. This is, yeah, more of a Deep House kind of track. And yeah, it's, it's uh, again, it's a, this is actually a really good blend of both our styles, I think, because it's melodic, but it's also deep and groovy. I think it's probably my favourite track from, from the EP. Yeah, I'm just trying to think what else I can say about it. It's the most recent track that we've made. Actually, we haven't made it. We haven't done the collab since making this one. So we do actually need to get in and do another one. I think. So, the, <laughs> so you made them in kind of cats. Obviously, you mentioned you made a while back and then kind of revamped it. And then this is the yeah. newest. And then Groove was the one in between. Cool. Okay. Yeah. 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 Let's jump back into here and let's give this a play. Let's go. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh. Oh my word, that sounds so cool. Let's give it another thing. <laughs> love it. Like I, lo- I, love, I love you've got so many little layers of drums going on there. It's just so, so nice, man. Yeah. I mean, we both love, and particularly Denny, like the tribal drum sounds from the early, well, say not early, but you know, the, the tech house kind of 2000, where would we be at? Probably like 2010 kind of era yeah. of tech house, of big tribal sounds. He loves his tribal house. I just feel like in that track, you know, I love my pads and my bass lines as well. And that just, those percussions in there, like the tribally percussions. With the pad, it's just, it feels like a really good combination of our, of our sounds, that track. So, yeah, happy days. Nice. So you got these tracks together. When when yeah. when did you sort of send them to Steve? How did that kind of process go down for you? 
Yeah, originally sent to Steve with the kind of hope for Poker Flat as a release, but sadly Poker Flat they're kind of taking a step back from and that's why they've brought this new label out and it's kind of everything's on hold there whilst they build and grow. Um yeah, the sublease label. But you know, it's this, it's it's run by the same team, the same people. So the, the process of dealing with them is the same as it would be for Poker Flat. So it felt, you know, like a really good good home. Uh, for the tracks, to be honest. Did you pitch it as an EP? Did you? Uh, yeah, cool? all three tracks. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All three tracks. Nice. Gang, have you got any chat questions about that track? Oh, I love that track. It's so nice. I love it as well. It's nice, yeah. it's nice and slow and chuggy and like... Oh. I was also thinking that the difference between that as a Deep House track versus the first Deep House track that you played earlier of mine. Like, the, yeah. you know, the, the elements are still similar in terms of, you know, we're talking chords and pads, but... The tempo on the first one, and you know how much <laughs> I don't know. I, I it's it's nice for me to listen to see how like the sound has matured in the way that I'm making it, but still you know holding true to that deep house sound right ten years later. So yeah. I'm very proud of that track. Would you ever go back and do a ten years ten years on 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 one and off and and give it a little relick and make it sort of up to date it? Do you know what? I think I can't remember who, but someone did say to me about like rebeefing old tunes. I've only ever done it with tracks that weren't released. So mm. I've gone back through older projects and thought, oh, hang on, there's there's definitely something here and then I've, you know, revamped it to to, to sort of this time. But yeah, it could be quite cool. I mean, uh, Lost My Dog isn't running anymore, so I don't know how it would work. <laughs> but yeah, getting, getting that, yeah, but definitely with, with the label, like with, with my label, I definitely have I've thought about doing that in the future going back and just revamping older tracks that maybe didn't get as much attention as they should or maybe just something that i love that i feel could do something you know do a different twist with it i guess you probably could just sign it to your to your because you have your own label now so i guess you could yeah whoever whoever owned lost my dog i guess you would just speak to him and say look you're not running can i can i sign it back yeah. to myself basically they were very very cool guys really really good and easy to work with so who knows? Maybe maybe you've given me an idea. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So we, let's talk about your label a little bit before we play. We'll play the third track in a little bit. Let's let's talk about yep. your label. Tell us about that. Tell us about how that came about. When it came about? It came about. I think we're six six seven years ago as just an outlet really to put my music out on. I was mm-hmm. at the time, you know, I was releasing music, but I was getting quite frustrated with gaps in label releases, you know, because I was maybe not everyone was signing the music or I couldn't get it onto the labels I wanted to get it onto. Or to be honest, yes, sometimes labels just didn't like the track, but I believe that, you know, it was good enough to to release. And, Mm. you know, I might have six, seven months in between other releases. So I just felt, well, maybe I can take a bit of control here and set up my own label so I can do that. And to be honest, it's been probably my, like, most proudest thing and my favorite thing that I didn't know I wanted to do until I started <laughs> it and um yeah it's, it's my baby like I love everything about running the label um I don't get stressed out by it it's just a organic process label of labor of love and yeah I I love now being able to sign you know unknown people and give mm-hmm. them a platform for music um it's just I don't know. It's a great way to network with other artists without, you know, being like, "Hey, I'm trying to shop my music to you." It's just, mm. uh, 
it's, it's, it's created so many good relationships with other artists, which might not have happened had I not have had a label as well. So yeah, but when I set it up, it was the intention just to release my stuff. So it has turned into something more than you know I'd ever really planned it to. Yeah, I see. I see. You see more and more people doing that. That kind of create their own space and their own outlet because you're, you're right those gaps in your release schedule are just when you're trying to build it's just it's just a bit annoying isn't it it's like and, and also not having that much control over it especially early on right you get a release on a label and they'll put it out when it suits them you know and that is mm-hmm. quite a common theme so kind of now i'm going into you know when i'm dealing with a label if they like something i would like okay this is great but like if it comes out it needs to come out here because i've got probably things either side you know and you've got maybe a bit more wiggle room now but yeah it's uh for anyone that's thinking about doing it i would just say do it and just do it sooner rather than later because it's it like even with production right it's just a learning curve and it's a process it's a journey and you kind of pick things up on the way but i think it took me a very long time to decide the first release and do all of that and you know i wish i'd done it sooner than i did but everything also happens for a reason but do you find you are uh, getting pitched a whole load of music since the pandemic where, where people, producers sort of sat down making loads of music and they just want to try and get it out there now? And it's have you had an influx? It was a bit of a weird one, to be honest. I felt the first, let me think. So going into it, I think the first few months I saw an influx of stuff coming in but actually at the same time i didn't have anything lined up for the label i had it was i think it was the fifth anniversary release which was around the time it was kind of thick covid right that october time when they did the second lockdown so after that i didn't have any music set up to release so obviously then with not releasing stuff maybe i didn't get so many demos but i still get you know still getting a lot but i just at the time didn't get anything that i loved so I'm very much like, oh, if, if there's no music to be put, I'm not going to release something just for the sake of it. You know, it's got to be 100%. So the actual COVID time, I'd release maybe two releases. One was the fifth year anniversary and then one was a release of mine. So, but it's backed up now because <laughs> I've been like, reach, I've, you know, I kind of, like I said, the organic approach is I like the music to kind of come to me and, you know, networking with other artists or, you know, people send me stuff, but it's not quite right. I'll always give feedback until the right track comes along. And, I, you know, I want to work with, with people as, as, as much as I can, as closely as I can. But, yeah, off the back of COVID, I was like, actually, no, I want to get some more, like, get this locked in and get a good schedule of releases. So it's kind of backed up now with some good releases to come. And I noticed you're remixing lots of the track. Like, is that kind of a constant thing you you remix loads of them or you can i noticed you re- i'm just having a little scroll and there's always yeah a- it's it's mostly me i think that's just a control thing <laughs> 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 it's right i think it, it started because initially when you start the label you know you've got to pay for remixes most of the time right so you've yeah. got to think as a as a from a business point of view how much are you making from releases if you're not doing label parties that is the only way money is coming into the label unless you know obviously you want to invest but you want to invest in the things that you know are going to pay off and i just thought at the beginning if i invest in remixes and then don't even like the remix you know you put yourself <laughs> in a weird space with artists and i was like well i don't know can i swear on here yeah. <laughs> i was just a bit like yeah fuck it i'm just gonna do it myself and i was like because then i'll only release it if i like it i don't have to put a fee up front to do that i can just take my time with it so it just became a thing that I was like, oh, I'm going to release, I'm going to remix them myself. 
And then I kind of thought more about when I do get remixes, well, I don't necessarily just want to go and outsource and pay someone to do a remix that's not associated with a label just to bring them in. So the people that have remixed, as though there's only been a couple of them, they've all released on the label before. So I kind of right. want to bring that full circle, right? So trying to keep it within the within the camp. But yeah, mostly a control thing. But <laughs> now more, you know, as, as things are going on, I'm, I'm opening up a bit more and be like, okay, maybe I just need to have faith that this person's going to do a great remix. And most of the time they do. I like that though. You kind of now it's now it's the artists that have been on there are remixing because it kind of keeps them in that family. It keeps keeps them in that kind of again a little bit of control thing where you're kind of going right. I want to. You've got those artists and you're building them from one release to the next release and they're. But yeah, I, I think it's important, right? I, I think it probably comes from the fact that I didn't really know anyone kind of was into the same stuff that I was into very early on, right? So. I didn't have a group of mates that were making the same kind of music. You know, a lot of people build kind of hubs and networks that way because they, you know, you, friends from university, I don't know, they all make music, whatever, that kind of stuff. I've kind of been solo on this from, from the start for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And I just feel that there were moments where I was like, man, I wish I had someone to help me go, oh, I could put a remix your way or I can do this or, you know, because I just had to do it off my own back. So... For me in return, I'm just like, well, everyone that has kind of formed within the label circle and, you know, the people I've met, people I've become friends with, I just want to put that back in the same way, you know, or do what I didn't get. It just to, nice. know, feels like it feels like a good thing to do, right? And, and the best way to get you, if they want to send you music via, the, via email, demos at? Yeah, demos at inamu.com. Okay, cool. There you go, gang. And are you putting out vinyl as well? Is that why I've seen that? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I've got digital releases and then the vinyl releases. So it's kind of a a sister label, so to speak, that the music is different. I don't release the digital releases on vinyl or vinyl releases on digital. They are solely their own thing. So it's it's called Inimu Wax. Uh, And yeah, it's deeper, deeper approach to the music, but... Yeah, I, I, it's something that kind of knocked me a little bit when I saw people doing vinyl labels and then they would release it on digital six months later. And I just thought, for me, it's, if you're going to promote something as a vinyl only, you've got to stick to that, right? So I just thought, why not yeah. do just a vinyl only imprint? And yeah, there was also, yeah, it would just allow me to do a little bit deeper because I wasn't necessarily thinking about what was sent on Beatport because, you know, it is it is a different market. You know, with the people mm. digging records are, I would say, maybe a bit more open to the deeper stuff. That's cool. Yeah. When you DJ, do you play both mixtures and both across vinyl and digital? Yeah. I'm usually like 50, 50, 70 to 20% vinyl, depending on where I'm going and how long I've got to carry the records for. Because (laughs) (laughs) sometimes it's, you know, like if you've got, like when I went to Australia recently, you know, I had one hand luggage. I didn't have a hold bag. You know, I don't want to be lugging records for, 27 hours on a journey and then have no room for anything else it's just sort it's, that yeah it's, it's a lot of work but yeah most of the time I'm, I'm rocking up with a bag of records as well as my USBs okay let's play the third track on the EP uh, this groove let's get that up tell me about for the, this groove and how it came about yeah I mean I'd love to say a different story and how it came about but it's going to be the same approach as the yep. other ones it's, it's, our, <laughs> it's our formula you know every time you work with someone else you might have a different formula but uh, yeah we've, we've kind of nailed our, our way of working so yeah this one's a bit more housey what well, housey driving house kind of sound but 
yeah, we try not to pigeonhole the sounds too much. It's just like, this is what we made in that session. I think it's quite quite a fast one this one it's quite chunky how did you pick the tracks for the ep did they just did you say these three are from that these three sessions or did it did you have a few yeah more the, no no no. these were the three that we sent right. so yeah i try not to i don't think denny's the same you know when sending tracks to a label just not to send more than three and I, I like to pitch an ep because i like the tracks to to go and work together you know i always think uh, i like to think of an ep as should have a little bit of something for everyone rather than three tracks to sound very similar for me, I don't cool. see the point. Not the, no, I don't see the point in it, but I just think there should be variation in it, right? Because you put three tracks in there that all sound similar, likelihood is someone's just going to buy one. Whereas if you put mm. three different tracks in, that person might not buy all three, but people that like a different flavor might buy the one that he didn't buy or she didn't buy, you know? Whereas if they're all very similar sounding, chances are the people that like that sound will probably just buy one track. I just think it's nice. It's a good way to showcase, you know, a, a wider sound as an artist as well on an EP. Yeah. Agree, agree. Let's play this then. Let's uh, and I'll play cool. this version off the full fuller tracks. Let's do this. Let's go. I feel like the There we go, gang. That goes for the road. That can have, that can have, that can have, that can have all I Yeah. That can have all of them. <laughs> that can have the full on Hulks. That's definitely my favourite. Wicked. That's See, cool. as I mentioned before about the, the the common grounds of like back to basics and stuff like that, I feel like the bass line on that track like really represents that, that kind of sound. Um, I know that from back in the day yeah just that chunky driving bass and all gang in the chat all of them passed the kick test man holy moly what a kick yeah we should we should give it the little we should give okay it little. pass the kick test i quite like the kick <laughs> thank you um yeah the day of the bass was definitely chunky right was flipping yeah back. you have a radio show is that right on blue i do on blue yes i do T tell me about that tell me about the uh, why you have it why you do it was it I have it. Uh, I've been doing it quite a, quite a while now. I, I think I'm nearly on my 70th show, I think, wow. around thereabouts. So it's been five, six, seven years, maybe. I'm trying to quick nice. math. <laughs> I haven't done every single month for, for that time. But yeah, I just, it for me, I love having an outlet of doing a radio show it keeps a consistent stream of you know digging music a little bit differently than i would for, for gigs mm -hmm. as i mentioned before like the, the deeper not necessarily like 
peak time club stuff is you know i love you know deep house radio how like that kind of sound so it's for me i just enjoy it it's um it's just something i always look forward to every month in the calendar it gives me time to test run music that maybe i can't play in clubs but i'm considering for the label you know see how things mm-hmm. go down how things get received um you know the guys down there have got a really great setup um and i just i think it's a really great uh station all around to be honest they're, they're showcasing a lot of good good talent on there um i think it's yeah so it means a lot to to be doing something to be involved in in their, sh- in their station do you find it good for kind of connecting to other labels and other djs and other people in the industry a hundred percent i i can't really put a number on the amount of times where i've gone to a gig and maybe the promoter or maybe just people from the dance floor have told me how much they listen and love my loop radio shows. Sure. I'm not saying they don't say that about my uh, music, but like <laughs> I never, I never really thought that would be a thing. Like, oh, we love your radio show, but it, it, it just seems to be, uh, yeah, something I'm also really proud of actually. Just keeping a consistent flow of, you know, that, that kind of music where I'm just digging a little bit differently. Uh, and yeah, it's yeah, it, it definitely has connected me with, with, with you know other artists and stuff because people send you music differently or they might want you to you know test on a track on radio show that you know isn't designed for a club so it's a great outlet mm. for people to send different different styles of music as well that's really cool i really love that i want to i, I want to kind of go back and dig through some other music like obviously it's a i've seen some, you've had some big releases like i love that label heads up and i love moan what yeah. they're doing so i thought we'd have a listen to those let's play oh look this one got premiered and it's the full space let's let's do that Sounds like almost this is, time. This is yeah. Almost time. Tell us about this record. Uh, this was. I mean, I should tell you about the EP. To be honest, like I. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I mean, I I did a remix for the guys from a Heads Up for a a long time ago, maybe mm-hmm. three four years ago, um, yeah. and I just had had such a busy release schedule for a long time. Like the guys have been asking me to to put an EP together, and then. I'm very much someone that likes to make the music and then send it out and then find a home and then schedule it in. They're very much like, you know, we have this release of slot available. Can we get you for an EP? And that might be in, <laughs> and, and that might be in eight months time, which seems like a long time, but I don't know. We just, I kept on getting to those closer to those release times and just having to say to them, but guys, I'm really sorry, but I still haven't got the music that I'm confident with in giving you that feels right for the label so we kind of went through this and they were super cool with it you know it's not easy to say to a label ah oh, the music's not ready and you know you kind of work into a to a, a time frame but it wasn't actually until i just said back i said look let's try a different approach i said look if you could just give me a few months i don't want a, a release date planned i'll bring you the music in a few months and then just removing that time frame and that kind of you know um deadline just different approach few months later sent them sent them these tracks straight away they were like yeah wicked they got Dochilo on the remix and yeah there's again i feel like there's a nice varied bunch of tracks on there so the almost time this one's say quite deep dubby and then there's almost uh what is it there's she looks which is a bit more groovy a bit more like early morning groover type thing and then nice. Vertigo. Vertigo is the other track, which doesn't seem to be on that playlist. That's more of like a upbeat garage tempo one. So again, nice. 
different flavors for different people, but it works, I feel, as, as an EP really well. Um, but yeah, this this is the lead track. It's, it's probably the lead run because it's got a bit more of a breakdown to it. It's got kind of vocal in there, but I'd still call it quite an underground track, to be honest. But. Cool. Let's play this. Excited. Sick, thank you, man. That bass, man, was so good. Big kick. Uh, yeah. Someone was saying Rodigan in the chat. You said it was from a sample pack. Yeah, I did. I didn't knowingly sample Rodigan, but it was from a sample pack of some kind. I just think I just t- typed in Ragga vocals and <laughs> and, that, and that one came up. So it could well be if someone else has sampled him and put him in that sample pack. Um, but I didn't sample him knowing knowingly but a question from the chat do you write solely for the dance floor or has any other left field things coming come in for you while you've been working on kind of makes sense uh it, it it doesn't it doesn't i think i'm very conscious to try and not let any outside stuff kind of come in this studio space when i'm making music i feel it's that kind of thing of the more you think the less you're creating kind of thing and i feel for me that it can be a massive hindrance the moment you start making something and then get excited and then i'm like oh this would work really well on this label or this would work really well there because off the back of that you're then pigeonholing yourself into that thing rather than just carry on creating what you're creating in that moment just for that moment's sake but you know i I definitely noticed over the years as i was getting more gigs and i was playing you know not necessarily warm-up sets more headline sets that I wanted to be able to make music that I could play in those sets as well, but whilst yeah. also being relevant and true to the stuff that I love, you know, not totally kind of compromising my sound. So, you know, there's, there's definitely times when I'm making a track that I know it's going to go one or two ways. I know if I add this really long, subdued kind of pad sound, it's probably going to make it less danceable. So then mm. I might make the decision to go, well, actually, if I don't put that in and add some extra hats and more percussion to give it more groove, it's then going to go more dance floor. But yeah, I think the initial stages of making something, I try not to think too much about anything other than just how it's sounding at that moment in time. And do I like it? Yes or no? And just go with the, with the flow. That's really cool. Um, I want to play I want to play another track. We've got time. Yeah, we've got time. Uh, I th- We've played a lot of originals. Can we play a remix? Mm-hmm. 
Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've just done a little bit of scroll. So you've remixed Mant, who I absolutely love Mant. Um, yeah. And that's come out on Josh Butler's Origins, another person who I absolutely love. So yeah, me too. I thought I'm excited to, I've not heard this record, so I'm excited okay, to hear this, this combination of yourself and Mant and, and, and Josh's label, which I kind of all know the th- sort of three sounds that might. So I'm excited to hear yeah, yeah. what's coming with this record. Let's play this. go wow holy moly looking at the that's so, lo- that so <laughs> lovely thanks man wow i enjoyed that so much i was literally getting sucked into it i was like it was a really good original to work with you'd be amazed the amount of times you know you kind of get pitch remix offers and then you listen to the track and there's just like no parts in there that you could think you'd <laughs> want to use and you know Fortunately, when Josh sent me that track, it was just like so much going on. Most of the melodic synth work was, you know, from the original. And I just redid the bass line, redid the drums, added a few more pads in there, but, and the vocals from the original. But yeah, it was, uh, I, I was going to say I love making that remix. I, I enjoyed making that version of it, but that was about the fifth version of that oh, no remix that, that I attempted. And I actually said in an interview the other week, the day I made that version was the day I was going to write an email to Josh saying, I've tried and it's just not, it's not coming together because that happens, you know? And I think, you know, rather than like delay the release and things like that, you've got to be honest and just say, look, it's not happening. And I've learned from my mistakes of releasing things in the past that I wasn't too happy with just for the sake of releasing, you know, on, on a label that you want to be on. But Hmm. fortunately i decided to open logic instead of send that email and had a good day <laughs> and that version <laughs> came out so yeah i'm no actually really way. pleased with it yeah yeah yeah. so that's mental yeah um someone in the chat said do you mix and master all yourself or do you send it out oh, there you go. yeah Jono, do you do you do all your own mixing and mastering as well uh, not mastering. I do. Uh, I do all mixing and everything myself. So there's nothing, nothing outsourced apart from mastering, which is usually, you know, what the label will. Uh, most labels have their own mastering engineers that they want to master the tracks, so they keep it, you know, the same as all the other releases. So, but everything up until that point, I do myself, and I, yeah, I mean, I do self masters for testing out when I'm DJing and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, but you know, mastering is a whole nother craft in itself that people spend a, <laughs> spend a lifetime themselves, you know, mastering. I think it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I can do enough to, as a DJ master, but yeah, I wouldn't claim to be a, a mastering. Really. <laughs> <laughs> CBR and Milkings, James, do you have the luxury to pick which remixes you want to do now or 
other than kind of having to do them to pay the bills. Yeah, I mean, I would never do anything just for a paycheck, even if you know, like I've, I, I, I mean, I'll still do remixes. I'm put it this way: I'm always open for remixes, regardless of what label it is. I'm wanting, cool. I'm looking for the track, and I, you know, I've turned down remixes from bigger labels and recent times and taken remixes from smaller labels purely based on the fact that I love that track more than I did the other track and I just don't you've, you've got to be in the project from the start to create something good that's my mindset with it and if the track doesn't do anything for me then I'm just not it doesn't really obviously it's very hard you know saying no to a label that you really want to work on but if you're not feeling the track and this is in the past I feel like I probably haven't delivered to the best of my ability on some of the labels I've remixed on. I'm not going to say what, but because I took it on because I took it on because of the label, regardless of the track. I was like, oh, his, you know, this DJ has come to me and said, I want you to remix this on my label, and it's been a goal of mine to work on that label. And earlier days, I just went, I'll do it without even asking what the, the track was, and then get the track, and then I don't like the track or I'm not inspired by the track, and then. The result was I didn't deliver probably a better remix as I could have done if I just said, I really want to do a remix for your, for your label, but have you got another track? Is there another option mm. or can I wait for another release? Because mm. essentially if they're asking you, they're asking you because they want you to do it, right? And they obviously want you to do the best, but kind of learn from your mistakes. And so nowadays it's, it's the track is the number one thing, whether I'm going to do it or not. Nice. Um, you mentioned running earlier. What I'm always interested because, you know, when you, you start this starting this kind of musical path and you music is always like you said like you mentioned it was always a it starts as a hobby and you start going raving you start listening to djs and then it becomes like your essentially becomes your job and yeah yeah and then i i, I was at a tour room once and pete griffith said what's your hobby because you're just you're, you're when you're living your hobby you need to have other hobbies to kind of yeah just get yeah. you out of that mindset so i'm always interested now what what other hobbies you have outside of music uh, I've got two. Fitness is definitely a huge part of my life. Like nice. I'm running and gymming five times a week. And that is, it, uh, yeah, I mean, it has been for the last 10, 15 years. It's just like brushes off the cobwebs of the weekend. It keeps you in check. And uh, yeah, I just love that. And another hobby is I actually collect and keep like bonsai trees. Which is oh, a very nice. very random hobby, but I've got nice. um, yeah, just like fascination for bonsai trees, and I grow them and like you know do what I can with bonsai trees. Yeah, that's a that's a hobby that nice. not many people know. It's not many people know about it, but it's just the it's the just the calming effect of gardening, right? <laughs> nice. Yeah. To go the full like Mr Miyagi shaping them and twisting basically them and that yeah that 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 is the the, the process the, the process of it I mean I've only really picked it up in the last year and a half two years but um, How yeah did you get I to just genuinely I, I mean you joke about Mr Miyagi but like Karate Kid everyone remembers yeah. Karate Kid <laughs> yeah. right? and then I think I just got to a point where I was just like you know oh, I think I'm just gonna buy a bonsai tree and then just started nice. looking at you know, there's there's loads of in London. There's loads of different like nursery bonsai nurseries. I just started visiting them. I was like, okay, it's also a very expensive hobby, right? So if you want really yeah. nice trees, you have to buy them young when you can afford them, and then progress them yourselves because otherwise, you know. So I was like, I better start now because a lot of it takes like ten, fifteen years <laughs> to maybe to, to develop something, you know, half decent. It can take ten, fifteen years. So you. I had to just jump on it sooner or before I got too old. 
That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Str- strangely, I found out the other year that I sh- my birthday is on the same day as Mr. Miyagi's, which I was which I absolutely love. Wow. What? When's your birthday? June the 9th. Oh, I'm June the seventh. Oh my god! No way! Could you, could you, could you imagine if you'd said the, the seventh of June? I'd be like, I'm basically no way. I'm Mr. I am Mr. Miyagi then. <laughs> you're li- yeah, you're literally two days away from Mr. Miyagi. Man, that, that's a great fact for the day. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> How, how's your running? Tell me about your running. I love running. I I run lots as well. Um, tell me about running. Where do you? How far do you go? Uh, I'm just. I just run. I'm in. Yeah, uh, I mean, on average, I'm probably doing two and a half, three miles a run. Um, nice. So I've done, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really, I don't try and do timings. I'm just, I just right. get up in the morning, just go for a run. It's just part of my routine. Right. I'm not too like, I have to run it, at, you know, do 10K in under 25 minutes, all this kind of stuff. I mean, I've right. done 10Ks before, but, you know, I just, uh, yeah, I just do it as part of my routine. So but it's, nice. I just love it. I love how you feel from running. I think it's amazing when you get in that headspace of how good it is for you that when you have a week off, you notice how you feel from not running and then you go, Agreed. oh, well, all I need to do is go for a run and things will be a lot better. Things <laughs> yes, will be yes, you know, stress, yes. stress, stress will not be so much. And it's mad that until you get to that point, you just don't realize it. But yeah, and having done that for like I don't know, 10 15 years i just i can't really go a week without running like i love it, it. just yeah me too last week last week i was in ibiza and i ran uh, we were in san an and we basically ran down we started basically down by uh ocean beach and kind of ran round the bay and round up to Malibu yeah. and then up to wiki and back again and 7 a.m and the sun was just coming amazing kind of it said through and it, and it was just a silence kind of silent yeah, san yeah. An, like before it get it was absolutely lovely man yeah. And to be honest, that's, that's one of the things I love that, you know, when I do go away for longer than a night, I don't really bother if I'm, you know, gigging for one night. But if I'm going away for a, a week, two week tour or a long three, four, five day weekend tour, like getting up and going for a run in a country that you don't know is a great way to just see yeah. stuff. Right. And it's just yeah. uh, you cover a lot of ground. You cover more ground than you think you do, like in yeah. 20 minutes, half an hour when you're running. So um yeah i've had some great moments where i've just been away and i've just gone for a run and just seen some really cool stuff from just doing that great i love that uh right let's listen to one more track and then we'll get out of here i've seen that you've had what i want to listen to this one where is it i'm being completely like I, uh, sometimes you don't get to listen to everyone's music all the time and i've just when i was scrolling back earlier i was like oh he's had a release on moan and i really love moan i'm gonna yeah, find that one i do release a lot of music as well i've always found for me like rather than trying to make absolute standout bangers because that's not 100% what I do yep. I just felt like consistently releasing a good steady body of work has worked for me so yeah I, I feel like I've released a lot of music in the last few do you, years do you, do you make a lot together and then kind of pitch it out or do you kind of make pitch make pitch make pitch uh, what works for you it varies. Uh, yeah, I definitely like to try and pitch a few few tracks together as an EP. Um, cool. But interesting that sometimes things don't feel like a complete EP until you've actually the label have said yes, they want it. Then you see the artwork and you go, oh, actually, no, it all makes it makes sense. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you need the label if you've got, you know, three tracks. They might say, yeah, we like two of these. Can you send another one? So then you send another three, and then they might pick one of those, and that's that way the EP is formed. And as long as you both agree to it, but yeah, so. Um, there's no real set way. It's just uh, finding the common ground between 
me and the label, I guess, created the EPs. Nice. Well, I want to listen to this, this EP on Moan because I absolutely love Moan and I saw you'd released on there. So let's scroll. But this was eight months ago, so it's a bit of a scroll back. Which one is this? Is this the solo EP or the one I did with Arcady? Arcady. Ar- Tell me about Ar- this Arcady and Tashirev. Yeah. So it's, um, again, someone that's uh, we became sort of became friends because uh, he released on my label. And then oh, I try and nice. also I try and work with as many people from the label as possible, try and do collabs and like I said, with the remixes and stuff. So yeah, this is, yeah, I can't remember what we did. So first so you've got reason. Tunnel Vision, you've got three, and then you've got Colours. Yes. Colours is probably my favourite one. Okay, and we'll that, play oh, that one. Yeah, yeah. To be honest, I like them more. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> again, they're all they're all very different tracks. Like the colours is a bit more upbeat. Kind of your what I'd say, you know, deep house tech minimal stuff is at the moment that kind of sound. And then the three stripped mixes, quite deep and underground with a naughty bassline. And then tunnel visions more stripped back. Yeah, so they're all they're all different. But yeah, colours I really is. Yeah, that's probably why it's the lead, to be honest. Nice. Right, let's play this colours. Cool. go let's go back here that track was absolutely lovely wicked thank you man. chunky as man and i love those little acid little, little squeaks it was nice man yeah i think yeah. we called it colors i feel like there's it just felt quite although it's really chunky it just feels quite colorful with the way the pads and stuff are kind of yeah sprinkling against each other yeah that's really nice gang in the chat have you got any other questions for james what have you got coming up for the rest of 22? How's the gigs front looking? How's the releases coming up? What have you got exciting coming up for the rest of the year? Yeah, busy. Things are, yeah, things are, yeah, definitely picking up. Uh, Release-wise, I've always got releases coming out. Uh, nice. I've got, obviously, we've got the, the sub-lease release. Uh, I've got another EP on Bondage with a Mihai Popovicu remix, which will be sick. That's July then got an EP on Sebzito's Seven Dials label. Uh, I've got a few remixes as well. And yeah, gig-wise, calendar's starting to fill up nicely. I've got, uh, I'm actually going South America tour in two, two to three weeks. So first nice. week of June, going to, yeah, Ecuador for the first time. And I've got like five gigs there over two weeks. So that's the next, the next thing. That's cool. So yeah, excited for that. That's cool. I wish I had an, you know, that Ecuador. 
Ecuador. <laughs> oh, that would have been good. Skeleton Keys. Does James have any recommendations for any VST since? Depends what you're after. Uh, one, the one I'm using the most for like stabs and stuff is a plugin VST called Chords, uh, mm. spelt with a K. I think it's from Loop Masters actually. Really, really well priced. 40, 50 quid maybe, but it's just got a ton load of really cool like chords, synths, stabs, pads, all that kind of stuff. So for deep house music, definitely check that one out. That would nice. be my top. That's cool. Thank you. That's really cool. Oh, he's, uh, Loz has found it and he's put it in the chat right now in the link. Nice. nice. Love this. Wicked. Uh, Ecuador sauce sounds amazing. Um, that sounds real fun. Mm. Yeah. Wicked. Okay. I think we've got everything. I think we're there. This is yeah. absolutely amazing. Great fun. And for me as well. Thank you. Th thank you, James. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for your listening to music and thanks for telling us all about it. Thank, thank you, you for having time. me, Graham. It's good to see you and uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll chat soon. Yeah, man. See you soon. Thanks, man. Cool. Take care, see mate. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye, -bye. Bye.